Day 55, God's love letter to you, Acts of the Apostles 27. Paul sails for Rome. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramidium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of province. The next day, we docked at Sidon. Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so he could provide for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course, so we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There, the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally heard Sinaitis. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salome. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at, arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead and if we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo and dangers to our life as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend their winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. The storm at sea. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly and the wind and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn up the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Caudio, where with great difficulty we hoisted above aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sardis off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God is in his goodness and has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. The shipwreck. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were been, being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep, but a little later they measured it again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid 
we would be we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore so they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for the daylight then the sailors tried to abandon the ship they lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship but paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers you will all die unless they unless the sailors stay aboard so the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let them drift away just as day was dawning paul urged everyone to eat you have been so worried that you haven't touched your food for two weeks he said please eat something that now for your own good for not a hair of your heads will perish then he took some bread gave thanks to god before them all and broke off a piece and ate it then everyone was encouraged and began to eat all 276 of us who were on board after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get ashore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. When they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon, the bow, the bow of, the shrimp, of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Exodus 21, Fair Treatment of Slaves these are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave, and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year. But his wife and children will still belong to his master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, I, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve master for life. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she will not be freed at the end of six years as the men are. If she does not satisfy her owner, he must allow her to be brought back again. But he is not allowed to sell her to foreigners, since he is the one who broke contract with her. But if a slave's owner arranges for her to marry his son, he may no longer treat her as a slave, but as a daughter. If a man who has married a slave takes another wife for himself, he must not neglect the rights of his first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. If he fails in any of these obligations, she may leave as a free woman without making any payment. Cases of personal injury. Anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death. But if, was, but if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will appoint a place of refuge where a slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Now suppose two men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or fist and the injured person does not die but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the assailant will not be punished but must 
compensate for his vic- his victim for his lost wages and provide for his full recovery. If a man beats his male or female slave with a club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. But if a slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished since the slave is his property. Now suppose two men are fighting and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman so she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, and a bruise for a bruise. If a man hits his male or female slave in the eye and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must leave the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. If an ox scores a man or woman to death, the ox must be stoned and its flesh may not be eaten. In such case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But suppose the ox had a reputation for goring and the owner had been informed but failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned and the owner must also be put to death. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. The same regulation applies if the ox gores a boy or a girl. But if the ox gores a slave, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave's owner 30 silver coins and the ox must be stoned. Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it, and then the ox or a donkey falls into it. The owner of a pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he gets to keep the dead animal. If someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must sell the alive ox and divide the price equally between them. They must also divide the dead animal. But if the ox had a reputation for goring, yet its owners failed to keep it under control, he must pay full compensation, a live ox for the dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. Exodus 22, protection of property. If someone steals an ox or sheep and then kills it or sells it, the thief must pay back five oxen for each ox stolen and four sheep for each sheep stolen. A thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and struck and killed in the process. The person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder, but if it happens in the daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. A thief who is caught must pay in full for everything he stole. If he cannot pay, he must be sold as a slave to pay for his theft. If someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and it is found in the thief's possession, then the thief must pay double the value of the stolen animal. If an animal is grazing in a field or vineyard and the owner lets it stray into someone else's field to graze, then the animal's owner must pay compensation from the best of its own grain or grapes. If you are burning thorn bushes and the fire gets out of control and spreads into another person's field, destroying the sheaves or the uncut grain or a whole crop, the one who started the fire must pay for the lost crop. Suppose someone leaves money or goods with a neighbor for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house. If the thief is caught, the compensation is double the value of what it was stolen. If the thief is not caught, the neighbor must appear before God who will determine if he stole the property. Suppose there is a dispute between two people who claim to own a particular ox, donkey, sheep, article of clothing, or any lost property. Both parties must come before God and the person whom endures, who de- And the person whom God declares guilty must pay double compensation to the other.
Now suppose someone leaves a donkey, ox, sheep, or any other animal with a neighbor for safekeeping, but it dies or is injured or is taken away, and no one sees what happened. The neighbor must then take an oath in the presence of the Lord. If the Lord confirms that the neighbor did not steal the property, the owner must accept the verdict and no payment will be required. But if the animal was indeed stolen, the guilty person may pay compensation to the owner. If it was torn by piece, to pieces by a wild animal, the remains of the carcass must be shown as evidence and no compensation will be required. If someone borrows an animal from a neighbor and it is injured or dies when the owner is absent, the person who borrowed it must pay full compensation. But if the owner was present, no compensation is required and the comp no compensation is required if the animal is rented for this loss is covered by the rental fee. Social responsibility. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged to anyone and has sex with her, he must pay the customary bride price and marry her. But if her father refuses to let him marry her, the man must still pay him an amount equal to the price of bride virgin. You must not allow a sorceress to live. Anyone who has sexual relations with an animal must certainly be put to death. Anyone who sacrifices to any other god than the Lord must be destroyed. You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a window or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way, they will cry out to me, and then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge, as, do not charge interest as a money lender would. If you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out from, to me for help, then I will hear for I am merciful. You must not dishonor God or curse any of your rulers. You must not hold anything back when you give me offerings from your crops and your wine. You must give me your firstborn sons. You must also give me the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats. But leave the newborn animal with its mother for seven days, then give it to me on the eighth day. You must be my holy people. Therefore, do not any, eat any animal that has been torn up and killed by wild animals. Throw it to the dogs. Psalms 55 Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far from this world's wild storm of hatred. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders. But the real danger is the wickedness within the city. Everyone is following apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together the house as we walk together to the house of God. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. 
but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me morning, noon, and night. I cry out my distress and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and he keeps me safe from the battle raged against me. Though many still oppose me, God, who is ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways, and they do not fear God. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you save me.